Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. You, you see it on the screen. You've heard it multiple times. Uh, we do want to wish a hearty happy Mother's Day to all the moms uh, in the house. If, if you are a kid, no matter what age you are, and your mom is in the service, uh, I want you to give a quick little clap for your mom. So, wow, that was, that was golf clap caliber. That was, that was great. Um, Mother's Day is one of those really interesting Sundays to preach on um, because there are kind of different perspectives that we come to a Mother's Day worship service with. And, and some of us, you know, we could talk about today how mothers are awesome and how we, we think that they're the greatest people that ever lived and how wonderful they are. But the, the problem with talking only about that uh, it's a couple of things. Number one, um, I think most people who had a good mother would already agree with that. So there really wouldn't be much accomplished in us talking about that. It would just kind of be reiterating what we already think. Uh, another reason is, is sometimes we can run the risk of uh, we come on Mother's Day and we start worshiping moms instead of worshiping God. And we don't want to go down that path. But then there's also the issue that, that some people, not everyone had a great mother experience. Not everyone was raised with um, a mom that, that made them feel uh, amazing. And so it can be difficult on Mother's Day to hear messages that are very pro-mama. Pro and so um, what we're going to do today is we're going to use some motherly examples, but we're actually going to look at a text that, that very rarely is preached on as it relates to Mother's Day. Um, it, it's very rarely preached on in any sort of way related to mothers. But I think it actually has a lot to say to us, no matter whether you are a mom, whether you are a child, whether you are just somebody uh, going through this life kind of on your own, I believe that there's something in this for every single one of us. And all of us know the experience that we're going to talk about today, and that is this. The experience of when everything seems to be going wrong. Um, perhaps if you are a mother, you have experienced that at some point in your motherhood journey. If you're a father, perhaps you've experienced that at some point. Um, perhaps you are experiencing that now. And uh, this whole idea of when everything seems to be going wrong is a very much at home experience for you. Uh, but the truth is, we all have chaotic moments, and we all have experienced crucial pivots in the road of life. Um, for example, uh, at our house the other night, we had what I would call a night where everything seemed to be going wrong. Um, it was Tuesday night, and Emma, my wife, was at work, and she was coming home from work, and I was trying to get dinner ready, and she had cooked dinner the night before, and... Um, I didn't realize this, but apparently a few things had spilled in the oven, and so it started smoking up a little bit. And so I, I wasn't too worried about it. I just kind of glanced at it and said, all right, it's just smoking a little bit, nothing to worry about. So I opened up the door. And so I, I've got the doors open to the house, and we are there eating dinner. Dinner's ready, no catastrophe involved in the cooking of the meal, uh, and we're all sitting down, when I say all of us, I mean me, my wife, and the dog. She sits beside the table. Uh, and we, we are ready to eat. 
And all of a sudden we realize because I've had the door open and it's May now, there are bugs everywhere. And so we spent the entire time we were eating dinner swatting at flies. And so we, we, we go through this entire experience and we're just like, okay, this, this was a little bit of an adventure. And then we say we need to do something about the oven, okay? And our oven, I don't know what your oven's like, ours has one of those self-cleaning features and we're like, what could go wrong? It says it's going to clean itself. Let's let it take care of it. So we, we start to run the self-clean cycle. Uh, and if you know anything about the self-clean cycle, it gets really hot in the oven. And because of that, they lock it. So if anything goes wrong during the cycle of the self-clean, you're kind of stuck with it because it is locked. You cannot get it open. Anyways, this is how the night ended. Um, we've got a picture. Yeah, there's a fire truck in front of our house. Um, but the story of how we got there was a little bit interesting. It was one of those where everything seemed to be going wrong all within a 30-second span. The self-cleaning oven is going, and Emma goes, there are flames in the oven. And I said, that's not good. We can't get the oven open. And so I'm, I'm calm and collected about everything. And... Uh, Neither of us were. And, and so she says, I'm going to check next door and see if they have a fire extinguisher. So she takes off running out the door, goes next door to see if they have a fire extinguisher. She, they don't. By the time she gets the answer that they don't, I'm yelling across the driveway saying, it went out. It went out. We're okay. No problem. And too late. She's already on the phone with 911. She did the responsible thing, so we're told. Okay, so she calls 911, and then she walks back in the house. She says, oh, there's nothing to worry about. You don't have to send anybody. And the dispatcher said, no, we're going to have to transfer you to the fire department. They're going to have to come out there. And so we get transferred to the fire department. They say we have to come out there. And Emma says, can they please just not come with sirens? We don't want the attention. And the dispatcher says, they really like their sirens. <laughs> and so they come, not one, but two engines came to visit us on Oxford Road. And we were sitting there thinking to ourselves, wow, we dodged a bullet on this one. But all the neighborhood is wondering what in the world we did at our house. So Emma's like going out. Everybody was conveniently checking their mail at the same time. <laughs> And so Emma's out there yelling in the yard like she's preaching in an open field. It's all okay. The fire is out. There was nothing to worry about. Self-cleaning oven. No big deal. And the, the fire department actually told us it's really nothing to worry about. We get this call all the time. That's actually what's supposed to happen with the self-cleaning oven. It's supposed to burn off all of the mess. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Would have been helpful information half an hour ago. But we were sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, one thought came across my mind. I am so glad we don't have kids yet. Because I was sitting there thinking, how much more chaotic would this experience have been if we had had kids running around the house? And I've got a lot of friends who are uh, newer mothers. They have become mothers in the past year and a half or so. And I, I reached out to them this week and asked them, you know, what, what are the challenges of being a new mother? And they, they shared things with me like this feeling a constant pressure to care for their child and forgetting to care for themselves, except coming to accept that maybe not everything will get done. There, there's a challenge involved in knowing that someone is completely dependent upon you. Uh, there's a sense that your personal needs have to be constantly put 
on the back burner. Now, they also talked about a lot of the rewarding things involved in being a mother. They talked about how uh, their motherly instinct, they, they didn't realize that they would actually know how to care for someone when they brought them home from the hospital. And they, a lot of them were kind of freaked out about it and talked about the first couple of nights of just, you know, watching the child. Is anything going to happen? Is anything going to happen? Is anything going to happen? But I, I know from talking to some newer mothers and, and some veteran mothers that there are days where it seems like everything is going wrong. And then there are points later on in the child's life where middle school happens and it feels like everything is going wrong. And, and there are days where everything seems chaotic. Um, this, this is always fun stuff to talk about because you see parents like looking at their kids and stuff like that. <laughs> see, see? Um, and it, it becomes this interesting dynamic where we, we constantly find ourselves, uh, if you're a mom or if you're a father, with that experience of, of that pressure of, you know, what, what else could possibly go wrong at times. And, and the truth is, is that there are so many pressures on everyone's schedule. I think mothers get an extra pass for it because of everything that they have to juggle. But the reality of, of life today is that life has become so fast-paced um, most households, you have multiple people working, and, and there are all these challenges that we face, and, and life sometimes can seem out of control. It can seem chaotic. And whether you are a parent or not, there are times when we see people around us going through an experience where we're thinking to ourselves, I don't know that anything else could possibly go further wrong. Everything seems to be going wrong. And so the question for us is what do we do in those moments? What do we do when, when life's challenges have put someone we care about up against the wall, whether it's a child, whether it's a close friend that we really care about, whether as some people reach a stage where it, it becomes their parents that they're looking at and they're thinking, could anything else possibly go wrong with their care? And we look at these moments, and we have to ask ourselves um, through, sometimes through tears, sometimes through, through rages of frustration, we have to ask ourselves, what is the way forward? What is the way that when we are faced with these situations where everything seems to be going wrong, what do we do in those situations? Because some of you this morning, you might feel that, there are things going on, if you're a parent, there might be things going on with your kid, uh, and you are wondering, could anything else possibly go more wrong? It's important not to look at them. Um, please don't do the hand squeeze thing. Uh, the hand squeeze thing always got me. But we ask you know, ourselves, what do we do in those moments? And perhaps you have a friend or a family member. You have someone that you are close to that for some reason you have an extra special sense of care for them. And you want desperately for them to get help in their chaotic situation. And perhaps you yourself this morning might feel a little overwhelmed. And you might be looking at everything going on around you and you might be thinking, what could possibly go more wrong? So that's our question for today. What do we do when everything around us seems to be going wrong? Well, today we're going to look at a story 
that at first may not seem like the best choice for Mother's Day. Um, in fact, there aren't even any women mentioned in this story. Um, I kind of got trumped. We had UMW Sunday last week, and we have to go through all the Mary scriptures at Christmas every year. So um, I had to look for something outside the box. But I believe that this story actually highlights some things that we think of when we think of motherhood, but there are also principles within it that we can apply to all of our lives, that we can apply to whatever situation we are. Whatever situation it is, where we might be looking at someone and, and thinking about everything that's going wrong in their life, or if we're looking at our own life and thinking, what could possibly go more wrong here? This scripture, I believe, speaks to all of us. If you have your Bibles, we are in Mark chapter 2, and we are going to look at verses 1 through 5. The story actually goes a little further than this, but we're just going to look at the first few verses of the story. And, and many of you have probably heard this story before. It's one of the more familiar stories about Jesus's early ministry. Uh, words are on the screen. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum, and people heard that he was at home. So many gathered that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived, and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now, the centerpiece of this story is a paralyzed, helpless man whose friends, four of them, came to his rescue. Uh, it, it's a great story, because, and there are so many different things we could talk about this morning. We could talk about how Jesus heals those with ailments. We could talk about the power of friendship and how the friends, because of their faith, Jesus healed their friend. And these guys that came to Jesus, they were determined to get their friend to Jesus no matter what. Now, unfortunately, this is just as the Jesus movement is starting to take off, and he's become pretty popular overnight. And so he has been healing people, and so people are coming and gathering all around him. And so they're all gathered around him, and they have entirely filled the house. And so there is no way that these four guys are going to get in themselves, much less carry a paralyzed friend of theirs in on a stretcher. And so they had to figure out another way. And I believe that, that that's the first thing we learn from this story, is that when things seem to be going wrong, when everything goes wrong, we find another way. They found another way. Now, th this is one of the things that, that I love about uh, mothers. It's one of the things that I love about people who are really determined is with moms, they will do anything when it concerns their child. There is a determination that they have no matter the cost. You might think of uh, single moms who, who will take out extra jobs just so that they could provide, so that they could have food on the table, so that they could um, help their kids have the opportunities. There might be a child who, as they're growing up, they're struggling with a subject in school. Maybe it's multiplication tables, 
and the parent at the sacrifice of their own sanity, of their own sleep, uh, leaving the dishes undone until later in the evening. They will spend hours upon hours going through flashcards trying to help the child understand. And, and the point is, is that when everything seems to go wrong, when you really care about someone, no is not an option. You have to find another way. And these friends of this paralyzed man, they are not concerned with the obstacle. All they care about is that their friend receives the care that he needs. And the, the truth is, is that, that while some of us do have disabilities, every single one of us comes into the world helpless. There are different points in our lives where we are helpless to do something for ourselves, and we need people to surround us, and we need them to come along beside us and find another way for us. And so these guys found another way. We can't go in through the door. We need to get our friend to Jesus. So what are we going to do? They found another way. That other way was through the roof. Now, if you were to look at roofs in first century Palestine, which, which is where Jesus' ministry took place, if you were to look at roofs, the way that they were made... They had this weird combination that a lot of times there would be grass growing on the top. Uh, it would be a place that you could go and hang out. If you had a, a large party, people might go up to the roof and spend time up there. But it, it was grass, it was hard clay, and more often than not, there was manure that was mixed into the clay and the grass, making it a this some sort of substance that was going to withstand whatever it needed to withstand to be a substantial roof. And so you, you think through that, and you think what they had to go through to get their friend's stretcher lowered down to Jesus. It wasn't just about finding another way. It was also a willingness to get messy. And a lot of times when we have someone that we care about, when we have someone that we love, it requires us to be willing to get messy. A few uh, months ago, I had a, a meeting, and, and one of the participants at this meeting was a, a fairly new mother. And I, she was going to be a little late, and so she sent me a text, and this is what the text message said. I'm going to be a little late. We just had a diaper explosion. And I... I could walk you through a lot of really insightful things that I learned in my seminary education. One thing that they never covered in any of my classes is how to respond when someone that you were supposed to be at a meeting with says, we had a diaper explosion. I just really didn't know, like, when she finally got there, do I, do I laugh? Do I cry? Do I say, I'm so sorry? I, I really didn't know what to do. But it, it, it was just this reminder to me that in the midst of life, uh, if you are a mom or if you're, you're a dad, uh, sometimes life can get a little messy. And, and the truth of the matter is that the messiness um, of life, the messiness of caring for someone, is not just limited to those early years. It also takes place later on in their life. And, and the truth for us, for any of us that care for someone, is that we're going to have to be willing to get messy. We're going to have to be willing to go through the messy parts of life with someone in order to help them, in order to care for them. Um, many of you have probably said this statement 
to someone that you look up to, perhaps a parent or perhaps you, you said it to a, a close friend. I have gotten myself into a mess and I don't know what to do. We all have those moments where we get into messy situations and we need someone to care for us, to help us get through that. But then there, there's one more part. There's one more part of this entire exchange where the friends were bringing their friend to Jesus. They, they were willing to find another way. They were willing to get messy in the process. Going through a roof that was made of, of who knows what. The final part, though, is the most important part. And that is this, that experiencing Jesus is the key. That no matter what, there's a reason why it's worth finding another way. There's a reason that it's worth getting a little messy. Because they believe that their friend encountering Jesus was the answer to what seemed like a hopeless situation. And th this is where it, I think it gets real for our lives. All of our efforts that we put into fighting for someone, whether that's a child that, that we're caring for, that we're fighting for, whether it's a close friend that, that we feel a burden for, all of our efforts are in vain if that last part isn't there. We can find whatever way it is we can get as messy as possible, but there are some things at the end of the day when everything seems to be going wrong that we realize only Christ can intervene within this. Because if Jesus had not been there on the other side of that roof when they lowered their friend in, not much would have happened. They just simply could have waited until the crowd had dispersed and they could have carried their friend back out in the stretcher. But because Jesus was there, because their friend encountered Jesus, he was able to hear words a few verses later that he ultimately needed to hear. Take up your mat and go home. And he was able to walk again. And for so many of us, we go through periods of our life where the words we need to hear are these, no longer be bound by what has bound you. Be free. And there might be someone that we care for. There might be someone that we're burdened for. And everything that we're willing to do, everything we're willing to do to fight for them, unless they encounter Jesus, it's all in vain. It's when they encounter Jesus that they can truly hear those words, be free. And, and for me, I, I, I've shared this before uh, in my own personal journey, that, that I, I had a mom who was awesome, who was willing to find another way, that was willing to go through the messes of life. But when she had done all that she could do, all she knew to do after that was surrender me to Christ. And because of that, my life was changed. Because of that, my life was fulfilled. Because of that, I was able to hear the words that I so desperately needed to hear. No longer be bound by what has bound you. Be free. Take up your mat and go. Friend, your, fr your sins are forgiven. And there are some people here that, that have friends or a spouse or a child where you might feel that everything seems to be going wrong and you don't know what else to do. I don't know a lot 
about, uh, I don't know anything about motherhood. I don't know a lot about parenthood because um, I'm not there yet. Uh, but what I can say from my experience of being a child is that the most important thing that you can do for someone that you care about is remove any obstacle that keeps them from experiencing Christ. Doing everything you possibly can so that they can experience Christ. That is the, the ultimately, all of the sacrifices that we make, that is the ultimate for what makes the most amount of difference. And so for, for some of you today, you might have someone in your life, it might be your child, it might be your spouse, it might be a friend, it might be a coworker, and you might be called this morning to be like those four friends who said, we can't do anything on our own, but what we can do is we can bring them to Jesus. And if we can bring them to Jesus, Jesus can take care of the rest. And so there might be someone in your life that God is calling you to bring before Christ and, and to lift up in prayer and to, to do whatever you can to help them experience Christ. And some of you might feel like the person on the mat where it doesn't seem like anything is going right. Everything seems to be going wrong. And for you, the invitation today might be simply come and surrender yourself. You might need someone who brought you uh, to, to walk up with you and to be like those friends carrying in their friend on the mat. But you might need to be the one that comes on your own and surrenders to Christ. And hears the, hear the words that you so desperately need to hear. No longer be bound by what has bound you. Take up your mat and go. And so this morning as we come to the close of our service, um, I want to invite you to, to take seriously this time at the end of the service. Uh, we call it our response time. We call it the time, uh, some people just think of it as when we sing the closing song. But th this is really our time to respond. This is our time to take those that are a burden on our heart and surrender them to Christ. This is the time if, if you feel like a helpless person, and like everything is going wrong in your life, this is the time to come and surrender to Christ. If you are a kid here today, if you are, uh, no matter what age you are, if, if your parent is in the room today, whether it's a mom or a father or both, I would encourage you to find time as we close this service um, to pray with them, to have them pray for you. It might be the best Mother's Day gift you give, even no matter how awesome what you might have already gotten them today. Um, but I just encourage all of us, wherever we are, all of us have someone that is probably a burden on our heart that we need to surrender to Christ today. Or it might be ourselves that we need to surrender um, so I encourage you as we close out the service, I'm going to invite Owen up first and just kind of let him start playing. But I invite you to spend the next couple of minutes before we go into this last song in prayer.
in reflection, and most importantly, in surrender. Let us pray. Lord, for those of us who have found you, we give thanks for the ones who were willing to find another way for us, who were willing to get messy on our behalf so that we could encounter the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just ask that this morning, if there are people on our hearts that that we look at their lives and we say, I'm not sure that things could get much worse. They desperately need you. That we would come and we would surrender them to you today. That we would do whatever it takes to help them find their way to experience Christ. And Lord, I pray for the person who's in this room, or maybe more than one person who is filled with brokenness, that is, they may not physically be paralyzed, but they have a spiritual sense that they cannot move. And God, I ask this morning that they would be set free, that they would experience you, and they would experience that freedom that comes from hearing those words that we can take up our mat and go home free of what is bound us. So Lord, I pray that you would hear our cries.